At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Episode 168 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software FreshBooks with a free 30-day unrestricted trial for you. Simply go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Where is not being brave ultimately going to risk me missing out on something? How is that going to cost me? Because often we discount the cost of inaction. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hello, I'm so excited you've made the decision to spend some time with a podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. The show that at its core is all about making you a better leader, better person. In addition, we dig into topics like personal development, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. And it's personal growth getting the focus today. In a moment, you and I get to sit down with Margie Worrell. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because this isn't her first visit on the Read to Lead podcast. She first stopped by in episode 91 to talk about her book, Brave. She's also the author of a brand new book called Make Your Mark, a guidebook for the brave-hearted. I'll be asking Margie about the importance of deciding how you'll ultimately define success for yourself, why she believes you should create a vision for your life that's beyond your current capacity to even achieve it, the problem with staying where you're most confident and familiar, and much, much more. If you work for yourself like me, maybe you're a freelancer or you own your own business, you probably know all too well what a pain it can sometimes be tracking what's coming in and what's going out. That's one of the many reasons why I love our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks. Been using them myself for a long, long time. I'm looking at my dashboard right now, and instantly I know all invoices are paid. There is absolutely no outstanding revenue. I can see what my profit is so far for 2017. If I scroll down a little further, I see my expenses thus far, and I can instantly create advanced reports like a profit loss, Sales tax summary, accounts aging, invoice details, an expense report, even time entry details. It's all there and extremely easy to use. And if you're anything like me, you need easy. FreshBooks has available for you right now a free 30-day unrestricted trial. You get access to all of FreshBooks features at absolutely no cost to make sure that it's right for you. And know too, when you take advantage of this free trial, you're also helping the Read to Lead podcast. To claim your free trial right now, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. One more time, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Our guest Margie Worrell draws on both her personal experiences and professional background in Fortune 500 business, psychology, and coaching 
to equip people with the mindset, strategies, and skills they need to rethink risk, find opportunity in adversity, and overcome the inner roadblocks to enjoy greater success in work and life. She's a certified master coach, an acclaimed keynote speaker, a guest lecturer at Columbia and Georgetown University, and a highly sought-after guest commentator with outlets like The Wall Street Journal, Fox News, and The Today Show, among others. And her Forbes column, Courage Works, has been read by millions. As I said a moment ago, she first visited Read to Lead to chat about her book, Brave, back in episode 91. And her latest book is called Make Your Mark, a guidebook for the brave-hearted. Well, well, Margie, you must be a glutton for punishment. Welcome back for the second go around of the Read to Lead podcast. It's it's not it's not punishment at all, Jeff. It's fun talking to you. Well, thank you for that. Likewise, uh, something I didn't mention in the introduction. Uh, I'd love for you to tell me first before we dive into the book a bit about your your passion for for gender equality and what you're doing there. Yeah, look, I it's a passion that's really developed actually over the years, and uh, particularly. Um, in the work that I do, I was appointed Australia's first ambassador for women in global business and have been involved with the Women's Economic Forum. And And more and more, the more I learn about the impact that in the empowerment of women, you know, mm. in, in our economy, uh, whether it's in the developed world or in the developing world, has on has on everybody's well-being, the more I have really got behind supporting more equality and opportunity for women. And uh, obviously, we live in a, a world today that is it, women have so many opportunities that we didn't have even 50 years ago, but there's still a long way to go. And, uh, and so, I, I'm really passionate about mm. supporting women to step up and to find their voice and to claim a seat at the table, but also for just challenging systems, which sometimes make it hard for women to be as engaged as they they can be and they want to be. Well, in the book, uh, Margie lays out a seven-step framework for living a a bigger, more meaningful life. And she says that we have ever more uh, the means to live, but ever less uh, the meaning to live for. Uh, can, Can you unpack that for us a bit, Margie? Yeah, sure. Well, look, you know, today we we know there is epidemic levels of depression and reliance on um, anti-anxiety drugs. And mm-hmm. there's incredible levels of suicide and self-harm and so many of these things. There's like an epidemic. And I think that it's not it's not related to what we have in our life. It's related to how we feel about what we have in our life. And there's often a lack of meaning. And so you know, the, I guess the drive behind writing my book, Make Your Mark, is because I have a passionate belief that every human being is born for a purpose and that we're all here to make an impact, to make a mark that no one else can. But but it's it's really about finding what it is that brings us a sense of meaning and connecting to that and being fully engaged in doing work that is meaningful for us. And so, and it's by connecting with that, that we are able to be braver and we're able to be more resilient. And so I do think it's not a lack of affluence that holds us back or a lack of opportunity generally. It is really just a lack of being connected to a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. It's so easy when it comes to these kinds of things, I think, to to often want to play the the comparison game. Uh, Talk, if you would, uh, Margie, about the importance of deciding how we'll measure success uh, for ourselves 
Yeah. Well, look, I mean, as human beings, let's face it, we, it's, it, we're social beings. So we do look around at other people and we compare mm. ourselves. How am I doing against how they're doing? <laughs> I mean, it's great if all our comparisons did was make us feel incredibly grateful and we counted our blessings. But more often, particularly in the age of social media, where we're sitting there scrolling down our Facebook feed and, oh, look where they are and look what they're doing. And it can leave us feeling less than in some way, less than popular, less than successful, less than attractive or whatever it is. And so so I think that's, and I, I wrote that about the book, you know, run your own best race. We so too often spend too much time focusing on the good luck and the gifts of others. And I think that's where we have to really focus on, you know, our own, making more of our own good luck and doing more with our own gifts and our own opportunities. And, and you know, those comparisons can really leave us diminished and keep us from focusing on really doing more of what it is that we love and that lifts us and that gives us a sense of meaning and purpose and excitement in our own lives. Uh, something you say, I think it's in, in uh, step three of the book. I want to ask you, why do you think it's so important that, that we dare to create a vision for our life that, <laughs> that exceeds our current capacity to even achieve that, that vision? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I might backtrack a little. Um, I, you know, I have I have four children, four teenagers, and the reason I have four teenagers, um, well, four children is I came from a big family. I'm one of seven, and I know for me, um, I grew up on a dairy farm in rural Australia. And my vision growing up, one of seven kids, my dad milked cows for nearly fifty years. It really didn't expand much beyond the back paddock. You know, <laughs> no one in my family had ever gone to college. It wasn't a very big world, mm-hmm. but I did know from having been to the big city of Melbourne a few times that there was a world out there that was bigger than the world that I could see. And so all I knew was at at 17, 18 was that I wanted to go and explore this bigger world. And to me, it was going to the city four hours drive away. Um, And then when I got to the city, I knew that there was this bigger world again beyond that. And it was like, ah. And so as I know for me, as I've gone through life, um, knowing that I don't even, sometimes it's not even knowing exactly where it is we're going, but we know that there's having a sense that there's more to life than the life we're living and moving toward that. And any area of our life where we don't have a vision, we don't have a sense of direction, um, because it's not necessarily about a clear destination as much as a a clear direction. This is where I want to go. This is what's pulling me in this direction. We can be powerless like a ship adrift at sea that doesn't have any clear end goal of where it's going. It's kind of at the whim of the, the currents and the winds and the tides and it can end up washed against some distant shore going up oh, but you know this isn't where I want it to be and so I think we have to connect with something that inspires us even though it expands our current ability to achieve it and uh, you know I know when I just my husband and I decided to have our fourth child I truly was like I don't know how do I start it I was starting a second career doing the work I am now how do I do that I had no idea how I was going to manage mother four kids and having a whole new career um, in in empowering people and coaching and speaking and writing. Um, but it was sort of just trust, just trust that I'll figure it out. And likewise, you know, I, I meet people who are passionately engaged in doing something. They don't, they haven't figured it out. They don't know exactly how they're going to get there. But by just by being excited about where they're going, 
they do figure it out. And I think we do ourselves such a disservice when we set our sights only on what we absolutely know we can achieve, uh, even though it may not be something that really lights a fire in us. And so to anyone listening now, I just, you know, and I, and I, I get people to do this exercise in Make Your Mark. I, you know, sit with the big question. If you could live the biggest life that you can imagine, what would it look like? What would you be doing? Who would you be for the people around you? What would you have more of? What would you be doing less of? How would you feel every day? What value would you be adding? And when we connect with that bigger vision, um, with as much clarity as we can, but it's okay if you haven't figured it all out, it really does ignite a spark in us that allows us to Mm -hmm. tap into resources and to even attract opportunities because, you know, in our brains, once we connect with it, suddenly that we, with that reticular activating system, we start seeing <laughs> opportunities that we might have missed otherwise. So, so I do really encourage people to, to connect with a big vision, even if it scares you, even if it leaves you going, I don't know if I can do it. Just, just be brave. And, and my experience is, is that we never dare to do things that we don't have it within us. Mm. The resources and capability to achieve. And this dovetails uh, nicely into this concept of, of upgrading our, our, our mental maps that you talk about. Uh, some of us have limited mental maps that, that, that often don't really reflect reality, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about how many times people take a, a, a dud turn using their GPS in their car, right? Or, you know, in the old days with with a paper map, you know, and you get there and you're like, well, this isn't how it is. Well, I mean, for all of us, we all have our own set of mental maps. It's it's the assumptions, the beliefs, the stories, the rules, the, even the biases that we have from how to get from point A to point B, how to be successful in a job, how to have a marriage how, that works, how to raise kids, um, how, to, how to make money, save money, all of those things. And some of those things get us what we want. And sometimes our mental maps don't. They can leave it as a dead end, continually coming up dead ends. You know, they can, we can go down roads that are very rocky and bumpy and take lots of detours versus there's an easier path to get there. And so, so yeah, that's where I, I, I do have a whole step in the book that's about upgrading our mental maps. Because let's face it, you know, your best thinking got you here. Where you are today is based on all the choices that you've made. And while there are circumstances that are outside of our control, it's really the choices we make and how we respond to things that determine where we ultimately end up. And so taking a step back and challenging the assumptions we have, challenging the labels that we put on ourselves and others, challenging the rules and the shoulds, I call them shoulds, that <laughs> the things we think we should be should be doing, um, that really actually confine finding where we're going and what we're doing and what we're achieving. And I think our maps are never complete. You know, our maps, we constantly need to be looking in and expanding our our maps of the world. And that's why often we can see people who are stuck living lives that we're like, oh, there's so much more you could do now to get yourself out of this spot. You don't have to stay in this job or this relationship or in this business situation. But they think they do. And we can see, oh, but you don't. But they think they do because their map is small or their map is incomplete. But it's harder to often look at our own map and go, well, what is it about my own map that's actually I don't even realize is keeping me confined in a place and there's so much more I could be doing. There's other paths I could be taking. And that's where, you know, I take people through an exercise in the book of really upgrading. It's like your internal GPS system so that wherever it is you want to go, you'll be able to get there, you know, faster, with less stress, with more joy along the way. 
So, uh, so a lot of us mistakenly believe, if, if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly, that growth is in staying in our lane where we're most confident and familiar. But you're, you're saying the opposite is true. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we know from research that we should work from our strengths. Our strengths allow us to go further than um, trying to just improve and bolster up our weaknesses. Mm. However, in the book, it's not so much just staying in your lane. Yes, there's things that you're great at. I'm not going to try and be a you know biochemist because that's <laughs> not my lane, right? I'm mm. not going to try and be a poet. That's not my lane either. But, <laughs> but. But what, where I talk about in the book is we stay in the safe lane of life. Wow. We stick with what's familiar. We stick with what's comfortable. And so it's not about not working from your strengths and really using those in the biggest possible way to, to make the, add maximal value for others. But it's, it's really about looking at where am I playing it too safe? Where am I sticking with what's familiar? So often we go through life on autopilot. An autopilot is when our fear is directing us constantly, often unconsciously, to veer away from risk, to veer away from the unfamiliar, to veer away from the road less traveled because, oh, it's uncertain. We don't know what's down there because we're wired to to go towards what's predictable and what's familiar. That makes us feel comfortable. And so, and so often, though, when we stick in the safe lane, we kind of take that path of least resistance and the path of least resistance never takes us to the biggest life we can live. And and so I really encourage people to take a look and go, where is fear sitting in the driver's seat? And where do you need to veer out of the safe lane and into the brave lane, into the lane that actually will take you toward the things that you really want most, even though it will require embracing discomfort along the way and letting go some of what you know, what's familiar. Mm. Uh, Seth Godin once said when he visited here, something I think that, that, that Margie would, would definitely agree with, and, and that is uh, we don't take action because we believe. We believe because we take action. Uh, similarly, Margie says, don't wait until you feel brave and bold. Just get out there and act with the courage you wish you had. I love that. I absolutely love that. What are, what are some ways we can train ourselves to do that? Oh, absolutely. And and that kind of sums up the core message of, of my life ultimately <laughs> is to have is to back yourself and take a leap of faith in yourself. Even when you are scared and your knees are shaking and you're you're trembling, you're like, ah, do I have what it takes? So, you know, there's a few things I, I you know, in the book I talk about, I've got my my fearless, my fearless model. It's not about not feeling fear. We need fear. But it's about not letting fear run the show. So a few different things. Um, firstly, um, one, I think we need to embody it physically. I would say to people, you know, stand tall, take a few big deep breaths, put your hand on your heart, tap that in a brave heart and really embody who you would be if you were being the bravest, strongest, most determined version of yourself because it's inside all of us. Tap your inner brave heart. Secondly, don't wait till you're feeling obviously fearless and brave and full of bravado. Start doing something 
every single day. Courage is like a muscle. The more we practice it, the stronger it gets. Mm. And so while today people might go, well, I'm not ready to quit my job or or do some uber bold move. Well, I'm like, start with something today. Start with having a, a slightly awkward conversation. Start with picking up the phone and asking, you know, someone, you know, extending an invitation. Start by, you know, putting your hand up and speaking up in a meeting, doing something that starts to build that muscle. Also, really powerful force is flipping fear on its head and asking yourself, what is it I need to be afraid of if I don't do anything? You know, where is not being brave Mm. ultimately going to risk me missing out on something? How is that going to cost me? Because often we discount the cost of inaction and we tell ourselves, oh, it's not so bad. I'll just stick with how things are. And actually, there is, there's often a big profound cost that we pay. And it's why at the end of life, Jeff, you know, most people regret far more the risks that they didn't take than the risks that they did. And it's why we need to literally embrace discomfort. So, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, But when you feel that nervousness in your belly and you've got little butterflies doing cartwheels inside you and you're worried, take a big deep breath, connect with that and know, you know, this is me living life fully on the edge. Mm -hmm. And when we do the very things that we're afraid of, sometimes they they just open up massive doors of opportunity and sometimes they don't. But either way, we realize that we didn't have so – we didn't need to be afraid. Um, I know I've got up on stage to speak now hundreds, probably thousands of times, and I always get a little bit nervous, but I get, I'm get i so much more confident now to get up and speak in front of 1,000 or 2,000 people because I've done it more and more. You know, I've built up to it, and I go, yeah, I'm nervous, but I've done this before, and I know I've got this, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, it's able, I'm able to quiet those little voices in my head that go, who are you to do that? You know, that whole imposter syndrome thing that can flare up. <laughs> And um, so we build our confidence and we build our tolerance for taking risk and our tolerance for feeling exposed um, to the world as not having what it takes. I'm learning to deal with with things like fear and anxiety the way I view a really um, bad thunderstorm while I'm inside the house uh, versus what most of us do. And we relate to fear and anxiety as if we're in the middle of of the storm and the winds and the rain all swirling around us. It's about identifying or relating to it as if it's that thing out there. And and that's, that's really helped me. No, and absolutely. Well, and I, and I've written about this in the book and the importance of, um, I have a seven step model, as, as you would have seen, you know, the fearless model. And one of those seven steps is to name it. Now mm. for you being able to disassociate, it's about, it's out there. It's the storm outside. Mm. I call my fear of, I call it a name. And to me, it's my, a committee. It's, I call it my, my small poppy committee. Um, <laughs> and, and it's little committee voices that are saying, don't do it. You, you're going to make a fool of yourself. You haven't got what it takes. Stick with where you are right now. What's a, And um, I'm like, thank you very much. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but I got to do this. And I actually get people to name that voice and to write a letter to it and say, look, I I know you're trying to help me, but I got a whole big life to be lived. And if I let you run the show, I'm never going to live it. And I do think when we name fear, we realize who we are is not our fear. Fear is just an emotion. And when we name it, 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 it actually helps us disassociate and recognize that it doesn't have to sit in the driver's seat. It can, we can let it, but be conscious. Okay, I'm letting you sit in the driver's seat today. But 
but do it so very consciously. And I think for you, like putting it out, it's outside, you know, it's the, it's the storm outside, you know, it's like, Fear is really what we link to fear, and often we we make monsters out of just a shadow. And as Stephen King once said, you know, ghosts are real, monsters monsters are real too. They live inside our heads, and sometimes they win. Mm. Um, and you know, but but giving it a name helps us realize, you know, it's just amplifying all my worries because we've, we're neurologically wired to focus more on what could go wrong than on what could go right, more on what we could lose, like we could lose our reputation, we could lose money, we could lose respect, we could lose this peer group, um, than on what we could gain. Oh, we could gain so many mm. things, but we tend to focus more on the on the potential losses and hence our fears sort of can consume us and take over. I love the example in the book of the opera singer. Uh, I think he, he called yeah. his fear, was it little me? And, and uh, yeah. was getting in the way of big me, I think it was. Yeah, and, and we've all got a little me, don't we? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we've all got a little me, and it wants us to stay little because when we're staying little, we don't risk anything. It's it's safe in the short term. Um, it's we don't feel exposed, we don't feel vulnerable, and and but that's just it. Unless we expose ourselves to being vulnerable, unless we embrace that vulnerability, yeah, we mightn't fail, but we never actually fully live, mm. and then we ultimately fail by default. Well, last time uh, on the show we talked with Andy Andrews uh, just a week or so ago. He's the author of a book called uh, The Little Things, and I wanted to ask you if you agree that it's the little things that we do each day, day by day, that, that, that truly make uh, the biggest difference. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I um Richard Carlson who wrote the book, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm. It's it's all small stuff and obviously it's 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 flipping that around and going, yeah, no, the small stuff matters. And I think it's really about which small stuff we're dealing with. The fact is and I and I've put this into the final step of the book, which is really about how to run our own best race. It's the small little things we do every day. The small little rituals um that ultimately that few people can see that often set us up to create the big results that everyone wants. Like, how do you do that? How do you have so much time? How do you have so much energy? How do you have such capacity? I travel around the world a lot with my work and people go, how do you do it all? And juggling kids and, you know, it's the little things. It's getting up and doing my exercise. It's writing in my journal. It's taking time out to connect with my purpose. It's, it's, it's those little daily habits that for me allow me you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally to put my best foot forward, to run my, you know, my version for me and my life, my own best race. And I think that's where I really encourage people to look at what are the small little things that if you did them daily, if you did them often, would set you up to do everything else better. Mm. And those small little rituals and things can actually make such a profound impact. And, uh, and so that's where I, I go through that, you know, let's, let's break it down physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, what allows you to be more resilient, to be more brave, to be more confident, to feel more connected. Um, and, and, and just speaking of that, you know, the tribe that we belong to, the people we surround ourselves with, how do you build your tribe? How do you surround yourself with people that bring out the very best of who you are? Because our relationships are amplifiers of emotion, positive and negative, and we need to be really intentional about who we surround ourselves with. Uh, is it safe to assume that that means we might be in a position to have to make some tough uh, decisions uh, when it comes to those relationships? 
Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we do. And and that's not about not being loving and kind. Um, it's not about being hard. It is about just but asking ourselves and being really honest, you know, is this relationship ultimately serving my highest good? Mm. And there are times when we give more than we receive in relationships. That's that's how it is, and 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 we choose to do that very consciously as 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 someone who is is generous. But sometimes we're in relationships that where we constantly left feeling less than, where it doesn't expand our way of dealing with our challenges of viewing the world and people can step on our dreams and can pull us down. And sometimes they might be doing it just to keep us like, oh, so often it's out of their own insecurity, their own fear. Well, what if you fail or what are our choices really reflecting then making them feel about their own choices? And so they'll say things out of jealousy or pettiness that they don't even realize where it's coming from. But stepping back and going, you know, for me to, to go to where I want to go, you know, is this relationship serving me? Are these people going to help me be the biggest version that I can be um, and, and they bring out my best. And so sometimes we have to move on from relationships and really cultivate new ones. And I think it's just about being very intentional in how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. And as I say in the book, you know, we have to take 100% responsibility both for the energy that we put out, which attracts people into our lives but also for the energy that we let in and and sometimes and that's where sometimes we have to set boundaries and um and sometimes we have to like you know prune our tree and and move on so that we can create space for mm. new relationships to grow as you say in the book when they start shooting on us it's time to, <laughs> yeah. time to move on right yeah <laughs> Well, I want to ask you uh, uh, about a couple of things not related uh, to the book, Margie, if I may. But before I do that, is there, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure that we know? Oh, look, no. I, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about lots of things. Mm. But I, I guess the, the one thing I, I would say is I wrote this book, unlike my others, it, it, it does have a, it's seven steps. And mm. I really wrote it for people who are ready to make a change or they're feeling stuck or they just want to feel that they are absolutely on purpose with their lives. And so, hence, it's a book that I wrote, as you would have seen reading it, you know, read it with a pen in your hand, spend some time in in deep reflection, because often we look around us for all the answers to our problems. And often the answers that we really need to find and want to find, they're, they're sitting right inside of us. We just have to give ourselves time to really sit still and tap in our own inner wisdom. Speaking of notes, I think I've taken like eight or nine pages of notes from the book, and I'm not I'm not even done with the book yet. So I've got a few more to more to come, and no doubt. Um, I want to ask you about the books that are having an impact on you. I know last time you were on, I think it was episode ninety one. You mentioned specifically um, essentialism, the disciplined pursuit of less by by Greg McEwen. Uh, I'm wondering, since that time, particularly, uh, what have you come across that you found impactful? Oh, it's funny. I have so many books. Often, I have a few on the go at once, and I um I, I move them around. A book I've just finished reading, which I really enjoyed, was um, Search Inside Yourself. Mm. Um, and you would know it's re- it's really around mindfulness, and I've been doing a lot of work around mindfulness, which, you know, I'd done a lot of work around emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. it's sort of now the kind of evolution of that, you know, and an expansion of that. Um, so, so search inside yourself has been a really 
wonderful book and another book that I'm really enjoying, um, which is by Sally Crawshank, and it's focused on women. It's called Own It. Um, mm. And uh, I do a lot of work with women and a lot of work empowering women in leadership, et cetera. And so, you know, to me, that's just, you know, it's just really own your value. Don't talk yourself down. And, you know, if you're being bold and brave, what would you be doing? And I, so that's a book that I've really found enjoyable, insightful. Well, I, I, I'm seeing pop up in my LinkedIn feed evidence that, that Margie is speaking and keynoting just about uh, every <laughs> conference worth attending, I think. It's, it's awesome to see the work that she's doing and, and the people that she's impacting. I would love it if you'd be willing to share with us, Margie, a, a tip or two for delivering an impactful and, and memorable uh, public talk. What, what do you strive for? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday, I spoke at a university and uh, the vice I was sitting next to the vice chancellor before I got up to speak to about 300 of the leadership from this university. And, and he said to me, have you got your notes? And I said, look, I know exactly, I know what my talk is about. But I said, I've actually never written a speech. Mm. And I, I know I find if I if I'm reading notes that it actually has me coming from my head and not my heart. Wow. And while I absolutely plan ahead for a speech and I'll be clear about my five key points and an anecdote and maybe a bit of research, but I for me giving a really great speech is about not being too in my head. Uh, you know, do your preparation, know what you're going to say, but but really, then, when you get on stage, connect from a place of service. How can I serve this audience in the most powerful way? And sometimes I get up and I look out and I get a feeling like, no, I was going to say that, but I, a story will come out <laughs> that's not what I was intending to say because it's just almost an intuitive feel like, no, this is going to be a more impactful story than the one that I was thinking I was going to say. Um, but I do think – we get so caught up in in trying to prove ourselves and prove that we're smart and we get so caught up with that that we're not coming from the heart and I found that what comes from the heart lands on the heart and while it's great to have the intellectual knowledge to share with people, it what changes behavior is when we really connect with people at an emotional level. So prepare your talk, know what you're going to say, but then really start speaking from a place of service. What is it I have to say that will be of greater service? Um, and it's not about me. It's not about me impressing people with how much I know and every little bit of research I know or I've done and every, you know, and I think sometimes I see people trying to convey too much information, trying to, to almost coming from that place of impressing and let go. If you can step away from your ego and your fear of not being enough and your fear of being judged, I think it allows you to connect in a far more authentic and powerful way with people. Well, uh, it may be too soon to ask this, this last question, but I'll, but I'll give it a shot. I'd be curious to know uh, if you know uh, what's, what's next for you. What are you and your team working on now that you're excited ah, about? Well, lots of stuff, Jeff. <laughs> well, firstly, I'm going to be moving to Singapore, oh, wow. which is with my husband's work. He has an opportunity to come there. So we're heading off there. So mm. that's one thing that's going on on the personal front. Wow. Um, I'll still be on a plane a lot, just as I have been <laughs> in the US and Australia. But I have another book brewing, um, mm. but I'm not quite sure when when that will it'll get written over the next year or two. And I'm soon to be launching um, just a series of online courses, including my live Life Compass course, mm. 
which is really taking a lot of what's inside this book, Make Your Mark, but with videos and worksheets and helping people work through a real process to get clarity about the next chapter of their lives, about how do they forge change and really dial up how they're living their life. So, so I, I kind of, I can't speak everywhere in the world at once. So I'm sort of trying to do, create more content that people can access with me speaking through videos um, anytime, anywhere in the world. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm working on too. Well, the book again is Make Your Mark, a guidebook uh, for the brave-hearted. Remember, we first talked to Margie in episode 91 about the book Brave, and there's also Stop Playing Safe. Uh, check out more at margieworrell.com. I think you'll find uh, all of Margie's books, this last one in particular, like having a conversation with, with a friend. At least that's, that's how it hit me as I read it. I felt like Margie was sitting right next to me. Uh, drilling these things into my head, and that's a good feeling. <laughs> so, Margie, thank you so much for writing it, and thanks for for agreeing to uh, to appear again on the Read to Lead podcast. Oh, Jeff, thank you for letting me share what I'm passionate about with with all those people who love to listen to you each week. So, it's I feel really blessed. To dig into any of the resources we talked about today, including the books that Margie recommended, just visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash 168 for episode 168. I've also included a link to Margie's last visit with us. I would love to have you as part of my private book club called Read to Lead University. You can find out more about it right now at readtoleaduniversity.com. And if you're looking for the perfect accounting solution, be sure to visit our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks, offering a free 30-day unrestricted trial to you. FreshBooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. I truly appreciate it. That's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.